Big Takes is a podcast from BCA Research, informing investors with straightforward, actionable analysis of macro and market events. Hi there, and welcome to the Quick Takes podcast. I'm your host, Rakaya Ibrahim, strategist at BCA Research. We're roughly 14 months away from the 2024 U.S. presidential election, and the contest is starting to shift into higher gear. The Republican Party held its first primary debate on August 23rd, and the second one is scheduled for late September. In this context, a key question facing investors is what will be the impact of the U.S. election cycle on financial markets over the coming year and beyond? To help answer this question, this week I spoke to Matt Gerken, who heads up BCA Research's geopolitical strategy and U.S. political strategy, to get his take on the investment implications of the U.S. election cycle. Hi, Matt. Welcome back to the podcast. It's always great to chat. Hi, Rukaya. Thank you very much for having me. So, Matt, U.S. political news is starting to heat up as we get closer to the presidential election in November 2024. In our conversation today, I'd like to get your take on what this means for U.S. financial markets. But before we do that, I think it would also be useful to first understand your approach to U.S. politics and policy. So you've said that you've adopted a systematic, nonpartisan, geopolitical approach to U.S. politics and policy. Can you describe this method and how you apply it to the U.S. elections? Yeah, absolutely. So the geopolitical method, it it basically focuses on permanent or semi-permanent features of a country and its people, its population, and its economic structure. And you do that prior to analyzing institutions. And then only at the end do you pay much attention to individual politicians or their ideologies. So that's the real key there is looking for structural limitations and cyclical patterns and focusing on those factors rather than tactical maneuvers. The U.S., for example, we would say it's a continent-sized country. It it has a limited government, and it obviously has a free market economy. So that means that there's fierce competition between the public and private sector in the U.S. and between the federal and state governments. There's no clear central government dominance. And yet, of course, it isn't as if it's a laissez-faire anarchic society either. Maybe on a relative basis, it's more laissez-faire, but of course, the federal government has a powerful role. So this gives rise to regional tensions, and in particular, like periodically, you see big periods of tension regionally. You know, a good example is that 65% of rural voters supported President Trump over President Biden in 2020, whereas 66% of urban voters preferred President Biden. So it gives you a sense of how important that split can be. And of course, in today's time, you know, in the 2024 election cycle, we're at a period of extreme polarization where these structural divisions have flared up and they've been flaring for for 20 years now. And I I think the reason for that is the main generational change happening where the silent generation retired and the baby boomers emerged. And then you had the decline of manufacturing and the rise of technology. You had a big increase in equality in the country. And then you had a sort of congressional gridlock, particularly regarding federal revenues. So those are structural changes. I guess you could call them sort of like a super cycle sort of change. They're generational. They go beyond individual political cycles. But uh, now those are sort of coming to a reckoning where we see the retirement of the baby boomers. We see the revival of manufacturing and we see some at least potentially some big changes in fiscal policy. 
Now, let's shift our attention to the investment implications of the election cycle. So the first Republican presidential primary debate was held on August 23rd in preparation for the primary elections, which will be in the first half of next year. Based on your research, are primary elections relevant to investors? Yeah, I think primary elections can be relevant. First of all, anything that improves the Republican Party's odds of winning the general election in 2024 would increase policy uncertainty because investors are, I think, as things stand, rightly assuming that the base case is for the Democratic Party to retain the White House. And the way that would change is if we had a substantial shock. It could be an economic shock, most obviously, recession. Uh, we do have restricted monetary policy. There are ways in which there could be other shocks. Foreign policy shock could occur. We have multiple foreign policy crises, particularly the proxy war with Russia and Ukraine. But of course, foreign policy crisis could also help the administration. It sort of depends on how it falls out. So there's ways in which the general trend can be disrupted. But if that happens, then the stock market will react because the market likes policy continuity and also the market likes gridlock and the Democratic Party is more likely to be operating in a gridlocked context, even if President Biden or, or a Democrat wins the White House. So that's favorable for the market. But if we get a change, then you'd start to see a shift and it would be a shift basically because of uncertainty. And in the first half of the year, you'd see stocks fall. And by the way, the obvious point here is that if the labor market starts to crack and unemployment goes up, then you have not only a recession, stocks fall, but you also have a change in policy. So uncertainty goes up. But, you know, if the Republican Party is unified, then it reduces odds of the incumbent victory. You know, it reduces the incumbent advantage. If the Republican Party is divided, of course, then that really reinforces the incumbent advantage. And so that's the element of uncertainty that I think stems from the primary election. The other way that it could matter would be if something happened to President Biden, if he got old or sick, you know, like like if he was too old to campaign or if he got sick or something of that nature. But um, unless he's really incapacitated, he's highly likely to be the candidate. So the Democratic nomination is less significant. And then finally, I just say that investors would want to monitor the primary elections to gauge the range of policy options that are being discussed within the parties. So, for example, the Republicans they share President Trump's protectionism, his fiscal profligacy, and his hawkish border and immigration policy on the whole. And that's what we're learning from the debates. There are, of course, Republicans who dissent from that line. But what the debates are showing you is that this has become the Republican Party platform, at least for 2024 cycle. What about the performance of stocks in election years? What does your research reveal on that point? Yeah, I think there's some pretty clear takeaways uh, from past elections. You know, this will be the 60th U.S. election. So we have a lot of data. You know, we have a lot of good data and regularity in U.S. elections that give us better probabilities. And we also have good stock market data going back to the 1870s. So the stock market does much worse in the first half of the election year than it would in a normal year. So in general, election years and non-election years have a similar performance. But in the first half of an election year, you have a considerably worse stock market performance than in a non-election year on average. Non-election year, for example, the first half stocks will go up 4%. In an election year, they will be just flat, you know, maybe slightly positive. And then, of course, it matters whether it's a year in which the president is going to win or lose. Now, of course, the biggest factor is always the economy. So again, if stocks do very badly in the first half of the year, that usually reflects 
a decline in the outlook for corporate earnings, and that also will negatively impact the presidency. But either way, what's clear is that stocks do much worse in the first half of the year if the president loses. So the sitting president seeking re-election, if he loses, then if it's a year in which he's going to lose, then the stock market will fall 7% in the first half. Whereas if it's a year in which the incumbent president is going to win, the stock market will tend to rise by about 3%. So the market does work as an you know, predictor. There are some interesting phenomena where, for example, if the incumbent president loses, you'll have that big pullback early in the year or in the middle of the year. But then, of course, stocks will rally very rapidly after the election when the uncertainty is cleared. And so, in fact, stocks can end up higher when the incumbent president loses, but you have a worse first half, and that's clearly an increase in volatility. Similar story for the incumbent party. You know, let's say President Biden does get unhealthy or incapacitated in some way, and Vice President Kamala Harris would be the most likely takeover candidate. The incumbent party, if it wins, it's much better for the stock market than if it's a year in which the incumbent party loses. And that's especially true, again, in the first half. Um, and by the way, on that point, uh, Kamala Harris would still be favored because the way we would decide the probabilities would hinge on the ruling party. The candidate can matter. Kamala Harris's odds would be lower than Biden's, but she still would be favored unless there were a recession or, or some big shock that discredited the Democratic ticket. And then finally, you know, what about after the election? So, you know, we've talked about how there's going to be more volatility around the uncertainty of the election itself and stocks won't do as well in the first half, especially. But after the election, an interesting point is that the market will do much better in the first half of the following year or in the whole following year if the president actually changes. And that, I think, again, reflects the fact that usually the reason for a presidential change is because of a recession. So you've got a bounce back afterwards. So in other words, if Biden loses, it's because we had a recession and we had a relapse into bear market. And that means that early 2025 could actually be quite positive because the uncertainty is over regarding the bear market and regarding the recession and regarding the um, policy of the nation. So those are some, I think, important takeaways. And it's interesting, where do they leave us right now? Well, as things stand, the Federal Reserve is achieving a soft landing. And President Biden is slightly favored for re-election with the incumbent advantage. So those factors are positive for stocks. And needless to say, what would change would be something in the labor market or something externally that raises the odds of recession higher. And then, of course, we would have a huge increase in uncertainty. And I think investors going into this fall and in the first half of next year uh, should basically be defensively positioned because we've already priced in a lot of good news. Thanks a lot for coming on to the podcast, Matt, and I look forward to having you on again as we get closer to the election. Great, Rukai. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Quick Takes podcast. We'll be bringing you weekly quick takes with BCA strategists on a range of macro and market topics. Stay tuned for next week's episode. 